0: All right, well, it's um, good to see you all here tonight, and it's great to have more people at the second week than at the first. Um, So just a little reminder about what we were looking at last week. Um, So this opening slide, if you remember, was the basic images we were looking at last week. Um, Finding God in ordinary life. And I had a picture of five different activities there and talked about how in each of those we should be able to find God, in each of those we should be able to bring that activity to God. Um, obviously when we're praying, but even when we're doing something unexciting like kitchen, cleaning the kitchen ta- counter, we can do it seeing importance in it, seeing that God wants me to do this, doing it well and then not just doing it well but offering it to him. Um, Now, to remind you, if you want to look for these online, if you go to my website, Google Father Dylan's Sermons, up on the top here, you'll find the link that will take you and you can get the audio and all of the slides for these different talks um, that way. So, as I said, lots of different activities that we can find God in ordinary life. Um, We looked in particular at the pivotal example of work, um, said if we found God in what we're doing, then we'll find joy there, because joy is the fruit of love, and if we're doing it out of love, then we're going to f- have joy, spiritual joy, not just the pleasure that comes from eating a donut. Um, <laughs> and um, two motives that need to make sure that's happening, that I'm doing everything for the glory of God, not for my glory, for the love of God, uh, not my love. All right, so what are we looking at today? Um, Today we're taking things in a somewhat different direction and we're thinking not in a sense just generally what do I need to do to make an activity holy but how do I make myself holy? What are the tools to holiness? I've got an image of a toolkit there. I just want to make the point to you that you know, there have been saints for 2,000 years. There's, for 2,000 years, people have been looking at what's needed to be holy and developing advice and guidance and figuring out all the different tools. So, we don't need to think this up from scratch. We can look to the wisdom of the saints. So, there is an image of a monk. Now, a monk is, in a sense, a clear example where we can look in the tradition where someone has figured out for him how he's got to get to heaven. The monk doesn't think for himself, what do I need to do? He joins the monastery and the monastery has laid out for him already um, in the rule of Saint Benedict or whichever other monastery he's joined, the tools he needs to get to heaven, to get to heaven directly, easily, And where I'm going to go with this is, well, what tools do those of us who aren't monks have to to draw on? So a monk has what's called a rule of life. Um, He joins an order. That order has a rule of life. You sign up for the package and that package has organised for you the tools for holiness. So in particular, the rule of life of a monk um, would structure his day in a very precise way. That, If you know, at a monastery, the bells ring at different times. The bells ring and they tell the monk what to do. Now's the time to be getting to this place, getting to that place, doing those prayers. Not just the prayers, but the other things of his life are all laid out for him in his rule, how to get to heaven. So I'm going to list here what's in the monk's rule of life spiritually. So he has, top there, prolonged mental prayer. He will have times that are scheduled for him to be at prayer, uh, in the church, in the chapel. He'll have communal silences. So he won't have to, in a sense, figure out how will I find silence, how will I find recollection. As a community, that's kind of scheduled in. He'll have what's called lexio Divina, reading of things divine, that they'll do as a community, but also that he'll do by himself in his cell, whatever private book he's reading. Then he'll have his own little private devotions, he might be saying. He'll have daily Mass. And then seven times a day he'll have what's called the Liturgy of the Hours. Um, So he has laid out for him how to get to heaven he has laid out for him a structure of the tools he needs to become a saint. Now in those things, there is a balance between the different elements. And one of the risks for kind of the enthusiast, the enthusiastic layman, is we pick one bit that I like doing, And I do that a lot and I think that's what's needed to be a saint. That I really like reading books. So I read a lot of books and I think um, that's what's needed to be a saint. And that is one of the bits there, the lezio divina. Whereas the monk doesn't have one thing. He has a, a balance of those different things. So in the lay state, you somehow need to have the tools applied to your situation that will also give you a balance of these different parts okay but before we think about that I'm starting with this question do I have time to pray and the image of the egg timer there um, there's no one here I'm quite confident who feels they have too much time Um, even the retired yes that phenomenon where retired people somehow have less time than the people that are working Um, which I look at with puzzlement still, but... um... (laughs) So do I have time to pray? Well, um, you know, we all were alive during the era of the great John Paul II. He says this, a wonderful quote on this question. He says, Do not be afraid to give your time to Christ. Yes, let us open up our time to Christ that he may cast light upon it and give it direction. He is the one who knows the secret of time and the secret of eternity, and he gives us his day as an ever-new gift of his love. The rediscovery of this day is a grace which we must implore, not only so that we may live the demands of faith to the full, but also so that we may respond concretely to the deepest human yearnings. Time given to Christ is never time lost, but is rather time gained, so that all our relationships, and indeed our whole life, may become more profoundly human. Now, There are all kinds of things in life where we know if we use time well, the rest of the time of the day kind of works better as well. And this is most true of prayer, that it becomes more profoundly human. Everything in the rest of my day will work better if I've given time to prayer. That time to prayer isn't time lost, it's time gained. Simple statement that life's better with God. So an image there of a flower developing. What's a What does a flower need if it's going to grow? Well, it needs what gives it life. It needs water, it needs sunshine. What do I need if I'm going to grow? I need God. And that means I've got to give him time, and I've got to trust him that if I give him time, that won't be time lost, but will be time gained. So St. Josemaria, who I was quoting last week a few times, He uses the phrase, multiplication of time. He says, if you give your time to prayer, he says, the experience of so many uh, is that they end up feeling that they have more time in the day. That by putting aside time to pray, I end up using the rest of that time better. I use it in a more ordered, structured, better way so that I seem to multiply my time, not lose it. By giving time to pray. But why? Why should we pray? Um, Well, there's a a favourite saying of um, St Ephraim, um, that I like in this, he said, Birds fly, fish swim, people pray. We're the only part of creation that prays. We're the only part of creation that's capable of praying. The birds have the thing they do. The fish have the thing they do. It's just proper to us to pray. Different preliminary question. Where to pray? Um, So the point I want to make is there's more than one place to pray. So there's private and public prayer. Both of these the Lord Jesus tells us about. He says, on one hand, he says, when you pray, go into your room in secret, and pray. But he also says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. So we need both of these forms of prayer. Um, It's not just one way. So back to the monk and his rule. He has some prayers he does by himself and some prayers he does with the others. It's not just one or the other. I'm going to spend a little bit of time uh, on the question of how to pray. Because again, the monk, he has different types of prayer he does. And they're not all of equal significance in terms of how directly they're going to affect his sanctity. Some of them have a more integrating role that everything else hinges around. Um, said here, Two categories to look at this way, set prayers and spontaneous prayers. So we all need set prayers. Set prayers are an important thing to have. Things like the rosary, like the Hail Mary, the Our Father. Set prayers that I've inherited from someone else. Um, But we also need to have spontaneous prayer, what's called aspirations. When I just say, thank you, Jesus, um, or help me, Jesus, Another form of spontaneous prayer is what's called mental prayer. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the um, mnemonic acts in this regard. You know, a mnemonic is when there's a word that the letters of the word help you remember the whole thing. Well, acts is adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, supplication, one letter for each of those things. So what do I need to do when I'm sat alone with God? What are the bits I need to make sure there's at least something of these bits in my prayer. I need something of each of those. So it's not just that I'm asking God for things, supplication, I do need that. It's not just that I'm thanking him, though I do need to do that as well. Not just that I'm saying sorry to him, though I need that as well. An adoration, just, Lord, you are amazing that I need some element of each of those in what I'm talking to God about when I come to speak to him. And that when I speak to him spontaneously, not just with formulaic prayers, I'm mixing some of each of those when I come to him. Set prayers, though, are very important. Um, Set prayers, one of the advantages of a set prayer is it's, it's not my own words. So when I pray only using my own words, there can be a tendency to just settle back into my few set things, that I always say this or I always say that. When I say somebody else's prayer, I'm saying, in a sense, what's Others have taught me I need to say. So the various elements of the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, um, why is it important to use his words? Because in that he's kind of covering all the different bases. And it's the same in different ways with when we say the Psalms um, or the different prayers that the, the saints have given us. So it's not that set prayers are Less important or more important, that you need something of each of these in a balanced spiritual life. So, back to the monk's rule of life, the point I've made added here is there's variety and there's balance. There's not just one thing there, there's a whole mix of different ways of praying. Now, the two terms I want to focus on, um, mental prayer and spiritual reading, um, both of which the monk could be doing, um, and I want to say what these these mean. So first, what is mental prayer? Um, The image there is of St. Teresa of Avila. She probably more than anybody um, has written explicitly on this topic of mental prayer. Um, mental prayer, in a sense, is not vocal prayer. It's a prayer that's in my thoughts. It's not what somebody else has written out for me. It's what I'm spontaneously saying. Um, what is, oh, I said it. Not vocal prayers, not recited prayers, not litanies, not rosaries, not Bible reading, even though. These are all good things. Mental prayer, as St. Teresa of Avila defines it, has this character of being spontaneous, which makes it the way you talk to a friend. And he is the friend. If I don't have that as kind of the defining element of my prayer, something's not right. Now, I've said here, it gives particular intimacy with the Lord. I think I would say this is why, of all the different forms of prayer we need to make sure we have, mental prayer is important because of the intimacy that comes with it. That when I'm speaking one-on-one with my own words, with my own agenda, with my own thoughts, um, there's an intimacy between me and the Lord. And if everything else I'm doing is going to, Integrate, then it has to have that intimacy with the Lord that's going to draw it all together to him. Okay, St. Teresa Avila then gives a definition. She says, Mental prayer is nothing else than an intimate friendship, a frequent heart-to-heart conversation with him by whom we know ourselves to be loved. Spiritual reading, so um, basically I'm focusing on these two things because I'm saying in the lay state if you're going to distill things down to a bare minimum you want some element of each of these two in your life. Um, Well what is spiritual reading? Um, Well if you go to google and google spiritual reading um, what does it give you? an image of tarot cards and um, a crystal ball so um, you know don't always rely on Google Um, that's not what we're looking at okay so what is spiritual reading I've said it's not academic study so sometimes I'll sit down and I will read a book on the Trinity and it's an important thing for me to read but it's not a spiritual book it's an academic study Spiritual reading aims, among other things, to form the spirit in character, to to grow in virtues, to fight vices, um, to help me follow the liturgical seasons. Um, It draws on the wisdom of the saints, those who have lived a holy life before me. What have they said about how to live a holy life? What have they said about how to meet the Lord? so spiritual reading is about forming my self in the spiritual life. So it's looking for books that have that as their focus, not, this is a nice book about God, or this is a, a nice book about someone who um, went on a trip somewhere, um, even if they went on a pilgrimage. To be asking, is reading this book going to develop me, form me spiritually? And sometimes a book about a pilgrimage might do just that, if it's written the right way. Um, I've got some examples there, and that I'll hand out some uh, printed names of these books as well, but some things I'd suggest to you as good foundational guides in this regard. So back to the thing. Variety and balance are what the monk's rule of life gives him. So I want to make a comparison now, not with a monk. Um, this is called a Numerary of Opus Dei. You Google normal man, uh, this is what comes up. Um, toolbox, what do you, the, to retool everything I've talked about for the lay state. Um, not a monk, a layman in the lay state. So Opus Dei is an organization founded uh, early 20th century in Spain. For the sanctification of those in the lay state, and so Saint Josemaria deliberately set out what he called not a plan of life, but a sorry, not a rule of life, but a plan of life. How to distil the wisdom of the saints before us, so that a layman, what would it look like for him? Because it would need to be refocused in different ways. So the monk has simply by being in the monastery a lot of things that come easily to him in his isolation. So it's easier for him to find silence because he's away from the world. Um, The layman, to get a lot of the things the monk has, has to be much more explicit in how he's going to kind of parcel out some of those same tools. So put two columns here. The layman, so in particular what's called a numery that's a particular um, vocation, but it is a, a lay vocation. He would have morning and evening prayer scheduled, um, 30 minutes of each, 15 minutes of spiritual reading, 15 minutes of study reading, distinguished, there are different types of things. He'd also say the rosary, short prayers during the day, Make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament and the Tabernacle once a day and daily Mass. So that's a very committed layman. That's a very specific calling. But it's been repackaged, the wisdom of the saints that were in the monks' rule, for somebody in the lay state. Um. So, Morning and evening, uh, mental prayer in the morning and evening have been separated as an explicit section because in the lay state you need to carve out a slot much more explicitly than you do in the monastery where it kind of flows in the day without the interruptions we'd have. Um, The layman isn't going to have a bell ringing telling him what to do because he's not in a community. So he's got to structure this differently that way as well. Okay, what about a parishioner? So Google search normal parishioner. Um, she comes up. Um, so I sh- could be in that parish. Um, <laughs> if we're going to retool it, not in a sense for someone as in a specific vocation as a, a numere of Opus Dei, what might a standard parishioner dare I say aspire to as the long-term goal in a rule of life a plan of life rather to, to avoid the monk term so I said that's what a numeric opus day has well what with the tools if we retool it for a normal parishioner I'd say a A workable, long-term goal to aim for would be a daily meditation, which is another word for mental prayer in the tradition, of 30 minutes a day. Spiritual reading a day, carved out 15 minutes. You could say the rosary while driving to work or walking to the supermarket, Um, short prayers during the day, and then the occasional weekday mass. But if that's a goal, and you're not there yet, how are you going to get from where you are now to there? Um, So, creating a roadmap, a short-term plan, I've said. I've said five minutes a day of mental prayer, five minutes a day of spiritual reading, and then a few random little bits like a morning offering and night prayers. Um, that even to give God five minutes of mental prayer, five minutes of unstructured, spontaneous prayer, if you're doing that every day, this does change us. Spiritual reading, likewise. If you're going to change, you need to input into your brain spiritual reading. And that needs to be an ongoing, regular thing you're committing yourself to. And even something as small as five minutes a day, you can get through stuff. And if you choose good books, you can get through stuff that way. Um, Because how much of a typical day do our brains and our souls get formed by the BBC and Channel 4 and whatever else? If I'm not even gonna give my soul five minutes, to compete with that, what, what chance do I have? Okay, just to, in a sense here, run through some things that are very obvious maybe, some, but some, some of the key daily prayers, some of the key set prayers that should be in all of our routine, that don't take long to do, but by having these moments in the day, focus the rest of the day so a morning offering um talked about this last week if i'm going to offer my different activities while i'm doing them then to start the day with a prayer offering the whole day ahead um is a pivotal thing to do grace before and after meals um i think after meals is probably forgotten more than before meals but i think is a an important way to round the meal out as well, to remember God at the end, not just the beginning. The Angelus, um, so that's a famous work of art with two workers in the field that are pausing to say the Angelus as they've heard the Angelus bell rung in the distance in the village church tower. Um, The Angelus traditionally would be said six o'clock in the morning, midday, and six in the evening. But to pick a couple or one a day fixed moments when in the Angelus we remember in particular the incarnation and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, as we say in that prayer. So God's going to be in my life, remembering that moment is is very powerful. And then at the end of the day, night prayers. and whether this is a, a set prayer or a spontaneous prayer but to have a moment of thanksgiving, a moment of contrition uh, invoking the protection of God whether it's through your guardian angel or other forms um, It can also be a very important thing to look ahead to the next day and think what I need to ask of the Lord as I'm going to sleep and to be blessing for what's, what's coming ahead. So a closing question, do you have a personal roadmap to heaven, to, saint, uh, to saintliness? So what I've tried to outline in this talk um, is the tools to holiness that we need to be using, that the tools are there, the tools have been there for 2,000 years, you've got lots of wisdom before us. If you were a monk, it would all have been distilled and sorted out for you in a nice clearly laid out pas- pattern but the balance of the different bits that are in the monk's rule of life you need to have in a plan of life that you um, design for yourself. So repeating, the monk got a rule of life, if you were a member of Opus Dei you'd have had that reconfigured in a lay package um, And I'd say for a parishioner, um, you can think for yourself, how can I retool that for me too? All right. Thank you.